from the corner of 16th and Peachtree Street, right next to the High Museum of Art in Midtown Atlanta, welcome to the First Presbyterian Church. I'm Senior Pastor Tony Sundermeyer, and I want to thank you for tuning in to today's broadcast. And I would invite you now to join us in the worship of God.
Our scripture reading for today is from the book of Acts. This is the last sermon in our sermon series in the book of Acts. Hear now the word of God for you who are the people of God. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was deeply distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he argued in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons and also in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Also, some Epicurean and Stoic philosophers debated with him. Some said, what does this babbler want to say? Others said, he seems to be a proclaimer of foreign divinities. And this was because he was telling the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. So they took him and brought him to the Areopagus and they asked him, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? It sounds rather strange to us, so we would like to know what it means. Now all the Athenians and the foreigners living there would spend their time in nothing but telling or hearing something new. So Paul stood in front of the Areopagus and said, Athenians, I see how extremely religious you are in every way. For as I went through the city and looked carefully at the objects of your worship, I found among them an altar with the inscription to an unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you, the God who made the world and everything in it, he who is Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in shrines made by human hands, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mortals life and breath and all things. From one ancestor, he made all nations to inhabit the whole earth, and he allotted the times of their existence and the boundaries of the places where they would live so that they would search for God and perhaps grope for him and find him. Though indeed, God is not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. As even some of your own poets have said, for we too are God's offspring. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me in prayer. Almighty God, break open this word for us today that we may hear it anew and that we may be changed by your living word and encouraged to follow in the way of Christ. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So like many of you in this pandemic, I have been spending most of my working time teleworking from home. And you guessed it, when I got back to the office, the plants are pretty much long gone. And yes, I miss those days of sitting down to check my emails with my cup of coffee in hand, as now I get to things between Legos and sprinkler breaks. But there are really good things about the Zoom life. I enjoy the extra time at home with my family. I'm so glad not to have that commute, so I'm no longer plowing up 85. Instead, I'm just moving from the office to the porch. 
it's definitely a different pace. And more or less, like many of you, I have just been hanging out at home. So imagine how surprised I was by how much I really needed a vacation. We got away for some camping last week, and let me tell you, it was just what the doctor ordered, that Sabbath rest that my soul really needed. You've heard me say it before probably, but I'm from the mountains, and so we headed back up to Southwest Virginia with our sleeping bags and our s'mores sticks. We had a nice big tent, beautiful state park, good weather, dry wood, one bad bee sting, But other than that, everything went really well. And it went so well, in fact, that we decided to stay another night. You see, I had spied among the tents and hammocks a yurt nestled in the woods at the corner of the campground, and I wanted to give it a try. If you've never heard of yurting before, that makes sense. It's a rather new trend in the camping world. Yurts are these circular domed tents that go over a lattice framework, and traditionally, they're used by pastoral peoples of inner Asia, and now, apparently, by campers in the southern Appalachians. So we were excited to give the yurt a try, and we would get to sleep on a mattress for a night. Well, little did I know, and I didn't guess, that this park had multiple yurts. And the one that I had booked last minute on the camping app was not the beautiful, shaded, cozy, peaceful place right up the hill. Instead, the park employee sent us several miles out of the park, down the winding road, to an RV area where the yurt was stuck between a swamp and an abandoned store. So swatting at the mosquitoes and sweltering under the top as the temperatures crept into the 90s, we were not at all happy with our yurt accommodations. My mom is an experienced traveler and she said, it's time to play the glad game. You know, cause on the road, unexpected things come up and the glad game helps you focus on the positive so you can still have a good time. Or at least that's the idea we did not sleep in the yurt that night. Come to think of it, I've been spending a lot of time during this pandemic thinking about traveling. This summer, as part of the midweek recharge, I started a small group on the topic of pilgrimage. And admittedly, it's a funny topic for this season when most of us aren't really going anywhere. But the author of the book, The Pilgrim's Compass, Reverend Paul Lang, He talks about pilgrimage as not only traveling to a sacred spot, but also as an inner intention, growing in discipleship through daily discipline. And Lang makes the case that it's when we move out of our comfort zones that we are able to experience God, to encounter God in new ways. It's like he's playing a spiritual version of the glad game because Lang says the pilgrim faces life with this question, what is this new and unexpected situation trying to teach me? Where is God in this? Now our scripture passage for today 
It shows the Apostle Paul posing this pilgrim's question. He finds himself in a remarkably unexpected setting. He's had two trips to the smaller towns of Philippi and Thessalonica, and now he is in this intellectual center, this multi-faith setting of Athens, the great city. It is not his usual cup of tea. And not only that, in Athens, he's now alone. In his other travels, he's tracked with his companions. But here, in Athens, he's flying solo. He's waiting for Silas and Timothy to catch up with him. And the differences between this stop and Paul's other travels don't stop there. Instead of his customary trips to the synagogues to meet with the devout, in Athens, Paul quickly moves from there to talk to the philosophers and really anybody who shows up in the marketplace. And instead of searching out the prayer spots by the river, he wanders around their temples where he memorizes inscriptions to idols and looks carefully at their objects of worship. And importantly, Instead of being run out of town by threatened leaders, he finds himself before the Areopagus teaching a polite and seemingly undisturbed crowd. Tell us something new, they say, and he does. It's instructive that even in the Acts of the Apostles, the book, the orderly account on church growth that the author includes this, Paul's strange stopover in an unusual place. Could the writer be reminding us how important it is to disrupt the life of faith? If it's only the meaningful message around church growth and administration, why include this story where Paul spends his speeches reciting pagan poetry? If it's all about effective evangelizing, Why include this story where Paul basically gets laughed out of town? And if it's all about the new circumcision of baptism in Christ, what about Paul in this talk where he extends the circle even wider? And he says from one, from one ancestor, he made all, all the nations to inhabit the whole earth so that they would search for God and perhaps grope for him and find him. Indeed, God is not far from each one of us. In Athens, the philosophers call Paul a babbler. It's from a Greek word that talks about the way birds eat, just picking up and dropping seeds. And in reference to a person, it means one who makes a living by picking up scraps. Now, in any other context, the disparagement intended by this comment would not have landed on the Apostle Paul. He is our sure-footed sage, our savvy Roman citizen. He's an effective evangelist, a productive apostle. But in Athens, Paul is not any of these things. He's a tourist. He's a pilgrim. He's a babbler. But nothing, nothing is lost. Paul is still preaching and he is sojourning. He's trusting that he will know God 
and new and unexpected ways from this new and unexpected journey. The pilgrim's journey. It's a rather new and unsettling idea for Christians that we aren't just supposed to open our hearts and open our homes and welcome the stranger in the name of Christ, but that we are to leave our routines and to change our minds and to become strangers in the name of Christ. Paul Lang again, he says, when we are not ensconced by our familiar habits, our familiar foods, the familiar people, we can take a new pathway to more fully understanding our Lord. After all, Jesus is the penultimate pilgrim. God traveled all the way down here and took up the totally unfamiliar flesh to dwell and love among us strangers. On March 12th of this year, in an email entitled Coronavirus Update from Reverend Tony Sundermeyer, Tony explained the cancellation of all on-campus gatherings for at least two weeks and that we would live stream the 11 o'clock service for that same amount of time. Now today, July 27th, you received a new email, and if you didn't, you heard about this today in the announcements. The COVID-19 pandemic continues, and the session has unanimously voted to act on the recommendation of the task force to reconsider regathering plans and other on-campus ministries at the beginning of October. It's time to play the glad game. I mean, I am so grateful. I'm so grateful for the work of the task force and session, and I am thrilled to work and worship in a place where safety is priority, but oh man, this is not the trip I wish I was on. Yurt refund, anyone? Soon after Tony's first email, we began the daily online devotional. So we are showing up in your inboxes every day with a reflection on the word. This showcased the flexibility and creativity that have become hallmarks of ministry during COVID-19. And that first submission found its way to you just a few days later with a reflection on Psalm 81 by Reverend Katie Sundermeyer. Now, following this announcement, this email today, you're again going to have a daily devotional to look forward to. But I'm excited to say we're trying things a little different in the month of August. Now you'll be hearing from congregants, and they'll be writing on the theme, What We Miss About Church. What do we miss about 
church? It's a pilgrim's question. And it's a pilgrim's practice to document the journey. One of the earliest accounts of a pilgrimage is from a Spanish nun named Egeria, who wrote around 380 of her travel to the Holy Land. That's not too long after these notes on Paul's sojourn. And in her notes, she records her experiences of the sacred places of Jerusalem. And the trend of documenting pilgrimage hasn't stopped. I just picked up a copy of a book called Walk in a Relaxed Manor that details Joyce Rupp's travel on El Camino de Santiago in Spain. These online devotionals are one way that we are recording our pilgrim's progress through the weird reality of 2020 and COVID-19. What do we miss about church? It's not just the act of writing, but the question too that marks that we are pilgrims. What do we miss about church? Here's a little preview. We miss routines. We miss harmonies and hymns. We miss high fives and we miss hugs. The third space places, volunteers, faces. And I just wanna add to the list that I really miss people in here laughing at my jokes. And parents, I want you to know that so many people mentioned that they miss seeing kids in the hallway that you should never feel embarrassed about a running toddler again. What do we miss about church? It's a pilgrim's question because it takes adventurous and courageous riders to answer it. Because in answering this question, we acknowledge what we have lost and how we grieve. And we admit that we find ourselves in a new place. We are pilgrims. To say, I used to find God there. It's such a faithful move because in doing so, we are saying that we hope, that we believe that we will find God again in new ways, in unexpected places. Indeed, God is not far from each one of us. Remember that? It's Athens Paul. It's tourist Paul, in fact, and he's speaking with a new understanding, using the words of a pagan poet to reassure all of us on our pilgrim ways. Indeed, God is not far from us, wherever we go. In God, we live and we move and we have our being. And for this, we are truly grateful. Thanks be to God. Amen.